So today we're going to learn a section of the Parsha Mishpatim. It's the uh, second Sicha in the Parsha Mishpatim in volume 21 of the Rebbe's talks of Lakute Sichos. And it's a fascinating way to learn one word of today's Parsha, like a one verse. And it goes on the sixth Aliyah of this week's Parsha. And it's a talk that the Rebbe spoke on Saturday night in 1979. After the Rebbe had his uh, the heart attack in late 1977. So for the next around two years, every Fabrengen, if there were supposed to be a gathering where the Rebbe speaks, Taira, on Shabbos, instead of being Shabbos by day where there's no microphone, so the Fabrengen was Saturday night. Just made it physically easier for the Rebbe until he gained back his full uh, full strength. So the Fabrengen was Saturday night. So this talk is actually on the Saturday night of Parsha Mishpat in 1979. And we actually have it recorded because all that whole two years, every Fabrengen was not on Shabbos pretty much. So you were able to record them all. So it's a fascinating thing in the sixth Aliyah. So let's just bring us back historically to the point of when this was being relayed to us. Last week's Parsha Yisra, we had that we were at Mount Sinai and we got the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. And then we got many more laws. And in Parsha Mishpatim, in this week's Parsha, we deal with many, many of the civil laws. You know, laws between people, laws of, you know, not just worshiping Hashem, but also the Hashem's desire and how mitzvahs are to be performed amongst people. And in the sixth Aliyah, we have a pause. And the Torah goes into an idea that says like this. Hashem says, I am going to send an angel in front of you. Kind of like to lead the way to get to Israel. Right after we left Egypt, we came to Mount Sinai and the goal was to get to Israel. Our trip was delayed 40 years because of the story with the spies. But still, at this point, this is the plan now to go straight there. So Hashem says that I'm going to send an angel in front of you. Rashi points out that these words, that I'm going to send an angel in front of you, is actually a prophecy. Because Hashem saw that soon the Jews are going to sin with the golden calf. And Hashem is basically saying, at that point, don't think that I'm going to be present with you once you do these sins. I'm not going to be the same way I'm now with you, like in full glory. So I'm going to end up only sending in one of my angels, my messengers, to be with you when you travel. But don't think you're going to have me, you know, myself. Later on, when the story actually happens, and Hashem says, when the Jews sin, Hashem says, I'm going to send a Malach, a Moshe Rabbeinu, by the way, over there he intervenes and he says, God, we need you yourself. We can't have this just sending messengers with us. And Hashem gives in to Moses and he actually says, I'm going to be with you. Only later, when Joshua leads us into the land of Canaan, Hashem removes himself to a certain extent and he has the angels go with us. But... This is at this point here, that's what Hashem says. I'm going to send a malach in front of you to protect the, the, the way and to bring you to the place that I'm going to prepare for you. And then Hashem says, 
Watch out, be careful, listen carefully to the words, make sure you don't sin, make sure you listen to everything, otherwise you're going to be in deep trouble. When my angel's going to go in front of you, he's going to bring you to the lands of the Amorites, the Chittites, the Prezites, the Canaanites, the Chivites, the Yevusites, and we're going to destroy the land, all the people that are living there in that land. And make sure you don't get caught up in idol worship in that land, because that's going to be, you know, a big, uh, a big disaster there. And I'm going to send a, a, a like a, like a, a, a hermit swarms in front of you, and it's going to blind the people that are that live there, and they're going to eventually leave the land, and you're going to be able to live in there. But you should know that the process of taking over the land is going to be slowly. I'm not going to make this chase and everybody's going to run out of the land because if it's going to take you a long time to inhabit the land, by then many animals will come and that'll be another problem for you. So better is we're going to get them out slowly and the Jews will take over the land. That's basically, in a nutshell, this sixth Aliyah. We're going to stop here today to figure out a few words here, mainly one word. Hashem says, I'm going to send the angel in front of you to guard you. And then he says, I'm going to bring you to the place that I prepared for you. That, uh, sorry, I'm going to bring you to the place that I prepared. That's it. Doesn't say the words that I prepared for you. Just says the place that I prepared. Says Rashi the following. Rashi says that when the verse says that I'm going to bring you to the place that I prepared, says Rashi, what it means is the place that I prepared for you. Rashi fills in the gap, the missing word, seemingly. right? The verse only says that God says, I'm going to bring you to the place that I prepared. But he doesn't say, he doesn't finish the verse. So Rashi says, what it means is that I prepared for you, for you Jews. I'm going to bring you to the place I prepared for you, the Jews. That's what I'm talking about. Now, the Rebbe fascinatingly brings for many commentaries that help us understand what was bothering Rashi, that Rashi had to say this answer. So, for example, he brings what's known as the explanation from the Mizrahi, the very famous uh, commentary on Rashi. He lived... From 1450 to 1525, his actual name was Reb Elio Mizrahi. Okay, he actually was the chief rabbi of the entire Turkish Empire during his lifetime. Now, in his book, where he has heavy, um, amazing commentary explaining every details of Rashi, so he says that Rashi basically wanted to help us to understand. What does it mean when God said, I'm going to take you to the place that I prepared? And doesn't say, for who? So Rashi says, Lachem, the place that I prepared means the place that I prepared for you. Now, what's, what's difficulty with this way how the Mizrahi explains it, that this is the problem that Rashi was trying to explain to us, that he prepared for you, is because the verse doesn't say for who he prepared it. The problem with that is because the verse should have said it clearly. It should have said the place that I prepared for you. Why didn't the verse actually say those words or the one word for you? 
Should have just said, I prepared for you, the place that I prepared for you. Why doesn't it say for you? And for this reason, Rashi says, I have another interpretation from a medrash. There's a medrash that says that God actually prepared something by himself. What did he prepare? He prepared a temple in the heavenly worlds. Somewhere in heaven, there's an existing full Bet HaMikdash, a temple there. God prepared the spiritual building and this building is exactly on top of the temple mount, the temple where the temple is going to be one day or eventually it was there for 410 years and the second temple is 420 years and that's going to be the place where the third temple is going to be with Mashiach coming. But the point the Rashi brings out that when it says that I prepared, it actually means I, Hashem, has prepared. So I'm going to take you to the place Meaning, to the Temple Mount, the place where there's going to be a temple opposite or directly under the temple that I prepared in heaven. Soon, the Rebbe will analyze this idea of this temple in the spiritual worlds and what that's got to do with us and so on. But in the meantime, that's what the problem with explanation one because when Rashi says, I prepared, it means I prepared it for you, for the Jews in general. But why doesn't the verse just specify for you? So that's why Rashi brings a second interpretation. This thing that Hashem prepared it. He prepared himself something for us. This temple. What's difficulty with this way of understanding it? First of all, if you think about this verse, it seems quite clear that what he's talking about, he's talking to the Jews. He's telling you, you Jews, I'm going to be sending an angel in front of you to, to guard you and protect you. And I'm going to bring you to the place that I prepared. Obviously he's talking to us. Why would I think that he's talking to anybody else? Why does Rashi have to point out that he's talking to you at the place that I prepared for you? Like, why would I think differently that Rashi has to point this out? Number two, Rashi could have said it very short. He could have just said the word, one word, for you. Why did he have to say in a lengthy words, he says, when it says in the verse, I prepared, the place I prepared, Rashi says, the place that I prepared to give to you. Those are all the words he says. The place that I prepared to give to you. Just say the word, to you. As a matter of fact, there's a famous commentary on the Chomesh called the Evan Ezra, or the Ibn Ezra, and the Evan Ezra says like that. He adds one word, Lachem. He adds the word that seemingly is missing in the verse. Another question is, not just why Rashi said it in so many words, the verse says, Hachinosi, that I prepared. Rashi says that it means the place that I prepared, but Rashi uses a different word. He says, Zimanti. Zimanti also means prepared. It both pretty much means the same thing. Why in the world would Rashi change and use a different word in, that means the same idea, prepare. Well, what's the reason for that? Now, the more you look into the Rashi slowly, carefully, and you learn it properly with a clear mind, you realize that these nuances have to be telling you something. If Rashi's quoting it, it's explaining to you, and the verse says that I placed it to, I'm taking you to the place that I prepared. And Rashi says, the place that I prepared for you, he's using a different word, and the word prepared must be telling you something. Otherwise, why would he say a different word? 
Okay, then we have, so these questions, let's hold them, keep them in the back of your mind for now. Then he says like this, Rashi continues and he says, this explanation that I prepared the place means for you is pshat, pshutay. That means the simple way of understanding the verse. When it says, I prepared, it means prepared for you. But says Rashi, there's a medrash. The medrash says, as I mentioned briefly before, the medrash says that when it says the place that I prepared, it means like saying the place that I have already prepared. I've already prepared that in front of you, meaning above. I prepared this temple above, up, right under, right on top of where the temple is going to be. And Rashi adds these words. This is one of the many verses that we have in the Torah that talks about this temple that's in the spiritual worlds, that it corresponds, it's opposite, you know, above, to the temple the way it's down here. That's what he adds. That this is just one of the many times we have this idea of the Torah alluding to this idea of a temple, a spiritual temple above the physical material temple. Now, Rashi's quoting the verse, I'm going to take you to the place that I prepared. And he's telling you that it's hinting, according to the Medrash, to the place where the temple was above. So there's another commentary that the Rebbe brings into the picture here. And this is called a commentary from a book called Nachlat or Nachlas Yaakov. The Nachlas Yaakov is also a famous commentary on Rashi. His name was Reb Yaakov Yaakov Solnik. And he, it was printed first, his commentary, in Krakow in the year of 1642. In his book, Nachlas Yaakov, he says there like this. The verse said, I'm going to bring you to the place that I prepared. Why did the verse say, I'm going to bring you to the place? Why didn't the verse say, I'm going to bring you to the land? Aren't we talking about the whole land of Israel? When you say a place, you're kind of narrowing it down to a specific place. The fact that the verse said, I'm going to bring you to the place and not to the land is alluding to this second point that Rashi's telling you. It's the place, meaning the place where the temple is going to be. And that's why he brings the Medrash that says that there's a temple going to be, I prepared this spiritual temple above the place where it's going to be down here on this world. So because the verse says place and not the land, it makes sense to mention it as the specific spot. But, Really, it doesn't really answer the problem 100%. Even according to the first interpretation that you say literally that it says the place, meaning the land of Israel that I prepared for you. Because in the verse, we find that in other places, we find that when it says a place, it does mean a big place. When you say, you know, I'm traveling to a certain place, you don't mean only necessarily a certain building or a certain block. You could also be meaning to go check out and tour a whole, a whole city. As a matter of fact, in the continuation of, the, of Rashi, it says, I'm going to bring you to the place. And it doesn't mean necessarily bring you to Israel. It just means in Israel, even when he talks about the place that I'm bringing for you, it can mean anywhere, the whole land of Israel. 
So according to the Medrash, number one, the Medrash is basically changing. When it says the word and bring you to the place, the Medrash is saying it's not a place. I bring you to the spot that corresponds to the temple that's above. Number two, it would be smoother if it would say, just say the words that I prepared. That's why Rashi says that everything that I'm telling you about this temple in the spiritual world is a medrash. Because when you take it out of the simple, if you say it's a medrash, that means it's not the simple, literal way of understanding things. It's, you know, it's a little more, it's homiletical. It's got a spiritual component. It's not something that you need to really be able to put your finger to it 100%. So when you're talking about this idea of a temple in the higher worlds, it's okay if it's a medrash. And if you say it's simple, it's not so simple, right? But he says, we have to understand something. When Rashi adds the words and says that this idea of the temple being above the temple down here is something that we have in many other verses, seemingly, why do we have to know about this? That there's other verses that say this. In other words, by telling me that there are other verses that also talk about this temple that's a spiritual temple, is that adding something to here? What, do I not trust Rashi here that I, he's telling me it's also in other places? What are you gaining by telling me that it's also, yeah, this concept is found in other places? And we can say that it's something that is not rational that you could even explain it to a five-year-old kid. Remember how Rashi said many times everything that he says is even meant that a five-year-old kid could grasp it. So maybe you could say that, you know, uh, you're expecting a five-year-old kid to grasp this concept that there's a spiritual temple above the material temple. Therefore, Rashi says, relax, it's something that we learned many times. We found other places in the Torah that talks about this. Like, for example, in the story, in the famous story of Jacob's ladder. Remember the story when Jacob travels to Israel and he takes a rest on the mountain and there's a, he has a dream and there's a ladder going from earth up to heaven so over there, it alludes to this idea because he said, I, I see that this is the gateway to heaven because he ended up taking his nap on Temple Mount. Rashi over there says when he said those words that this is the gateway to heaven, that's because he saw in his vision, in his dream, that there's this place where I am is going to be the place where the temple is going to be built. And there's another temple above. So in other words, the prayer from here goes straight up. Like the whole idea, we pray today, right? We pray we face Israel. In Israel, you face Jerusalem, right? In Jerusalem, you face the temple. Because we know that our prayers go up from that spot and it goes from the materials, local, you know, uh, uh, place up to the spiritual temple and then it goes where it has to go, the prayers. So this idea we already had before. But what's interesting is, in the other places where Rashi brings down this idea that there's a higher temple and a lower temple and so on, Rashi doesn't add the words. By the way, kid, if you want to know, you think this is too far-fetched, there's other places where it says this. How come by us here, Rashi saying that? There are other verses. So is it really just because he's trying to show a five-year-old kid that's learning Chumash, you're trying to explain them that oh, this is a real concept, you have it in other places? Then he would have said, in a, every time he mentions the story about the higher temple, Hirashi would have 
advertised that this is in many places. So the fact that he says it here must be something unique to our story here, that Rashi adds those words, that this idea that there's a temple above is also found in other places. So we have to understand what is unique about this story in our context, that this corresponds to the place where Hashem says, I prepared this prepared this place, means I prepared a higher spiritual temple above this. And you should know it's also in other places. What's so unique here that Rashi has to say it's also in other places? Now, the Rebbe says that if you delve in a little bit more, there are many more diyukim. A diyuk means to be precise, there are more questions. But he says, I'm just going to tell you some of the more questions when you get into the, let's call it the needy-greedy of the words. Where did Rashi say this medrash? Rashi just said it's a medrash. But where is this medrash? It seems very clear that the source of this medrash is from a medrash called the medrash Tanhuma. The problem is, over there where Rashi sources, he says that this is one of the places where scriptural alludes to this idea of a temple that's down here on earth, which corresponds directly to a temple above. One second. Rashi, you're taking it from that medrash? What did the medrash say first? First, the medrash says that there's a temple down here that's exactly directly under a temple above. Rashi said it the opposite. He said there's a temple above that's directly on top of a temple down here. What is going on over here? Again, if Rashi is 100% meticulous in every word and choice of order of words, the Medrash, who, he's, who is where he's quoting it from, says first, the temple down here corresponds to the temple above. Why does Rashi change the order? He says, temple above corresponds to the temple down here. First he says the above one and then the low one. So that's one question. Another question is, there are many versions of Rashi's wording on the Chumash. You can only imagine, Rashi, what was he? Rashi was born in the year 1105, I believe. So we could all imagine in the days before the printing presses, many manuscripts are being copied and copied and copied. So there's going to be some, some you know, nuances and differences. Sometimes you have a guy that's copying it and he's, ah, why is, why is that word there? He takes it out, he adds. Sometimes you put a comma in the wrong place, you know. Until you had printing presses, it was hard to, get 100% accuracy. So he says, it's very interesting. In, in, uh, he says, there is a version of a printable version of Rashi that was actually sealed by the famous Alkabats. The Alkabats was the grandfather of the author who made the prayer that we say Friday nights, Lecha Dodi. The author of the Chadodi, his grandfather was the famous Alkabitz. And this rabbi, he was very meticulous on Rashi's words. And he put his seal on a certain you know, version of Rashi's manuscripts. And by the way, the Rebbe says that in our library, meaning the library by 770, he says we have some cop- like original writings of earliest writings of Rashi's writings of his commentary. And over there, it's also like the following what he's going to say. In other words, it's a little different than the way our printed books have it today. Today, our printed books, we keep it like that 
because that's the way it is, and we don't change it in the books just because you found some old Rashi manuscripts. Today there are books that will put in footnotes and say, by the way, there's a different version that has it slightly different. I'll tell you what the difference is. But So there is a version that says like this, that Rashi writes that the temple that's above corresponds to down here, but missing a word. It doesn't say the temple above corresponds to the temple down here. It only says the word temple once. It says the temple above corresponds to down here. Missing the second time mentioning it, that the temple above corresponds to the temple down here. Interesting when you pay attention to that. In the other two places, that like this, in the story by Jacob and the ladder, for example, Rashi does say the word temple twice. He says the temple above corresponds to the temple below. But according to that version of an old original manuscripts of Rashi, it seems like the second time when saying the word down here, it doesn't say the word temple. So everyone says we really got to understand all this. Now you have to remember when you learn this really well and you learn the verse and then you learn the Rashi and you learn these questions, you know, it's very hard to fall asleep by night when you have these, uh, all these questions. So for this reason, the Rebbe answers us these questions and then we'll be able to have the full picture. So he says like this. This is a common way how we've been learning and the Rebbe is teaching us how to learn Rashi is after he asks these questions, it kind of feels like you have to like Go back and look at the whole picture, the whole verse, the whole chapter sometimes, sometimes even the whole Parsha, to now look at the whole picture and then see if you can get clarity in that way and then come back and zoom in and you'll figure out all these nuances that they all fit in like such a beautiful puzzle. He says Rashi is really trying to help us to deal with a a simple question on the words that says, that I have prepared. Remember, the verse says, again, let's just recap this. I, I am going to send an angel in front of you to protect you on your travelings, and I'm going to bring you to the place that I prepared. Now, when you say that a place that I prepared, what's the point in preparing something? You prepare something so that the place should be ready to accept you. Well, if the word prepare means that I'm preparing something, and that means the result's going to be that it's ready, right? Let's say you tell somebody, I'm going to prepare um, a meal for you. Or you no, they say it differently. You say, I'm preparing in, in actuality. I'm, pre- I'm in the middle, I'm on the phone, I'm, pre- I'm in the middle of making this meal. That means you're preparing the meal so that we're going to be able to eat it soon. So preparing means that there's going to be a result. So the general issue here is, What does it mean Hashem says, I'm going to take you to the place that I prepared? When you look into the verses that we quoted earlier, it seems quite the opposite. When we came to the land of Israel, nothing really changed. The land wasn't ready for us. It was filled with the seven nations. And even more on the contrary. The point of all the further verses in this in the Parsim Parsha that I quoted before tells you clearly that the land was not ready for us. In other words, it wasn't like, oh, it was empty from people and okay, come Gesundheit and live here. It wasn't like that. We had the seven nations there. We had to chase them out. 
we had to actually, the verse says that I'm going to have to destroy the land, people to get them out. Agar Shenu, right? As I mentioned before, those hernet swarms that would come and blind the people and then we're going to chase them out. It was like the strategy Hashem saying how I'm going to do this. And as a matter of fact, Hashem says, I'm not going to let the land kick everybody out and then you're going to come soon. And in the meantime, all the animals are going to come here and it's going to be a desolate. You're going to deal with that. It says, slowly I'm going to take you out. I'm going to, I'm going to kick everybody out of the land. So in this case, what does the general meaning of the word mean? That I'm going to bring you to the place that I prepared. Prepared means that you're getting it ready for us. But there was nothing ready. Potentially ready, okay, of course. But the land itself wasn't really ready. So what does it mean, these words that I prepared? So for this is what Rashi's answering. Not that, who is it? I'm talking about you. Rashi adds a lot of words to help us understand this. He says, it's the place that I went and prepared to give it to you. There is a difference, even though they both sound the same, preparing, preparing, or hazmana, zimanti, sounds the same, but really it's a little bit different. Zimun, you know how um, at the end of benching, you, at the end of a meal, you make a zimun, you call people together to make the rabbisai, right? It's called the zimun, it means you're gathering together. Sometimes you could tell somebody, I want to invite you to be my guest. If I'm just inviting you, it doesn't mean that I did anything for it yet. It's only a verbal invitation. Soon I'm going to get to it. Same thing here. Hashem says, the way that's why Rashi changes the word to Hazmana. Because in Hachinoisi, I prepared, he says, I don't see that Hashem actually prepared the land. So that's why he uses here the word that I prepared it, but not something presently, currently, now I prepared. In other words, it's more like I designated this land. I'm going to bring you to the land that I designated for you. So by you changing this word a little bit, it helps us to understand that when the verse says the land that I prepared for you, it actually means a land that I designated. So Hashem is saying, I'm going to bring you to the land that I designated for you. It's an invitation to come to this land. But since, the, it, the problem is that since most preparations all over the Torah, elsewhere, there's actually an effect. When you say I'm preparing something, you're actually sh- literally cleaning up the mess or whatever it is. You're really preparing. But over here, it's not like that. But since most places, it is like that. Therefore, the first interpretation of Rashi is difficult. Because everywhere else, preparing does mean actually getting it ready. It's just that only by us, you don't see that Hashem really prepared the land for us. Just says, I'm taking it to this promised land. It's going to be a land of flowing milk and honey and all the blessings. That's why Rashi goes and he brings you a medrash. Because whenever Rashi tells you two interpretations, it means that the first one is is closer to the simple wording of the verse, but since there's a difficulty with it, therefore we need to have a second interpretation. The difficulty is, everywhere else, preparing means getting it ready. It's just that over here, it's not really getting ready. Therefore, Rashi uses a different word. But 
it's still difficult to say that here also it means different than everywhere else. So he says, therefore I have a medrash. And the medrash is telling you that I'm preparing a place that's a recognizable place opposite you. It's going to be a, it's a real temple in the spiritual sense, right above the material temple's location. In that case, Hashem is really preparing something. He said, I'm going to bring you to the place that I'm preparing. I'm presently preparing because I'm building a temple in the skies. It's quite amazing. So it's actually in a way, really, it's a real thing. It's not, oh, I'm preparing and not really preparing. It's just an invitation, a designation. It's really, really preparing because he's building that temple up there. And for this reason, Rashi is actually very precise, even though he quoted the Medrash, According to that older version of that was found of a Rashi, he only says the word. He, for Rashi says first the temple above, which is corresponds to the temple below, not in the opposite order like the Tanchuma that said first the temple down here corresponds to the temple above. Why? Because where did Hashem make his preparation? Above. He built the spiritual temple. So when it says here that I prepared, I'm going to take you to the place that I prepared. Where's I prepared? The heavenly temple. That's why Rashi says the heavenly temple first before he says the one down here. So that's actually amazing. When you think of it in the full picture, you actually get to realize how precise Rashi is, even though he's quoting a medrash. He'll change around the order a drop because it fits much better that all of us and a five-year-old kid could really grasp this well. So when it says that I'm going to take you to the place that I prepared, yes, I'm really, really preparing it. I'm preparing the heavenly temple. The thing is that this alone is not enough. This is explanation. Because it's difficult to say that the fact that Hashem prepared a heavenly temple should have actually no effect on the earth, the land, where the temple is going to be down here below it, you know, corresponding to the, to the temple. Because Hashem says, oh, I, I prepared, I'm really, really preparing this temple. Yeah, but the one above. It's difficult to say that he's talking only about that, where it has no effect on the down here. And as we see clearly in the verse that we quoted earlier by Jacob and the ladder, it says, Jacob said, this is the gateway up to heaven. Where Rashi says in the first time that the temple above, it corresponds to the one down here. And Yaakov says, Jacob says, that I feel the holiness in this material place. He felt this place was holy. He's like, whoa, this is the place where prayers go up. This is the gateway. As a matter of fact, Jacob said, He said, how awesome is this place? Meaning down here where he was lying. That means it does have a real effect. You could feel it down here. But since the verse says that I, I'm bringing you to the place that I prepared is a designation to a place or a preparation with the place up there, that it should be noticeable. So it should have also been noticeable down here. Right away, Jews should come into Israel. We should right away see exactly the spot. How does this fit with the general theme of the parsha? Where it stresses that Israel, even the whole Eretz Yisrael, the whole Holy Land, including the place of the temple, wasn't even prepared. So you're saying only the heavenly one was prepared, but down here was nothing. We didn't feel it. We didn't see it. It was nothing. It was not ready yet. That's why Rashi says these words 
after he speaks about this heavenly temple. He says, you should know that this is an idea that we have in other scriptural verses all over the place. This verse is not coming to tell you that that now is a preparation through this that I built a heavenly temple, which is opposite the one down here. When he says, I prepared, I prepared this not today, after you got the Ten Commandments and all that. I prepared this a long time ago. And this is only another verse that proves this concept, that talks about the same idea of a heavenly temple. But really, it's all over the place. And therefore, it's no question that here, we don't find that now there's a difference in this place down here. Because the concept that there should be a heavenly temple, we already know about for many times. I, there's no effect down here. Okay, I'm not so, you say in Yiddish, you know, so tekratzed. You don't get so scratched from it. You don't get so bothered by it that you don't see it down here. Because the concept of a heavenly one, we already know about. Now we understand why the reason why he uses the version that the temple above is corresponds to the temple down here, but he doesn't say the word temple. Just says correspond the one above corresponds to down here. Remember we said that there's some versions in Rashi that doesn't have the second time mentioning of the word temple. It's to emphasize that here we're actually only talking about the heavenly temple. The the, the earthly temple is not there yet. And we don't have the temple there. And therefore, it's not a contradiction. When we said, even though my place is noticeable opposite there, nevertheless, you don't see any change down here on this world. And the contrary, the place where the temple is, we have many nations of the world, which is the opposite of the temple, actually. You had it then and you have it now. So the place of the temple is not noticeable any spirituality there now. We know that it's spiritual, but you don't know it. You, don't, you can't see it. So this is basically the summary of these two points of Rashi. When Hashem says that I prepare, I'm going to take you to the place that I prepared. You need to have both interpretations. One is I prepared this for you in the literal sense. But what's this coming to teach you? The general idea. Isn't preparation mean that I made a change? That there's actually I prepared something and I made a change there? He says, you're right. Usually that's that's the way to understand it. But in our case, it means just prepared, meaning I designated this place. I, everywhere else it says, clearly that a preparing means that you actually made a difference. He says, in that case, you have the Medrash. That tells you that there was, uh, was an actual preparation, which is the temple above. So again, by knowing about this temple above, it helps us to understand that this is a real, literal concept. And the fact that we don't see the, that effect down here doesn't bother me so much because this is a well-known idea all over the Torah. So it makes me stronger knowing that it's a real thing. The Rebbe concludes that many times in Rashi we could deduce also a takeaway in the world of law, in Halacha. There's a well-known argument between Abaye and Rava two of the most well-known sages that are brought down all over in the Talmud, named Abaye and Rava. So in one of their arguments, they had an argument about this following subject. If I designate a place for something, is that alone good enough? Right? One says that's good enough, one says it's not enough. In other words, let's say like this. Let's say 
you say that this piece of leather is designated for tefillin one day. Is this leather now holy? Or could I use it forever I want? Right? Abaye says that just designating it is enough, even if I didn't say it verbally. Rava says, no, 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 no. Designating means nothing. You actually have to use that leather for a mitzvah. And then it's holy. Designation alone is not enough. So the Rishonim, the earlier commentators on the Talmud, they want to know when it says designation means something, does it mean that I have to verbally designate it or just designate it? So putting this aside, is that it? Or I have to verbally say, no, this leather is, you know, for tefillin. So this question of whether designation is something, or I have to also designate it with words, really makes the difference, bottom line, even according to Rava. And it's interesting, by the way, always, whenever there's an argument between Rava and Abaya, the law is always like Rava except for like in six cases. And that's for another Talmudic discussion and for another time. But the point is that even, even according to Rava, that says that designation is not enough to make something meaningful, to make it, let's say, holy. He says that designation is nothing, but this, even according to him, there will be some scenarios where Designation does mean something. The Rebbe brings down in the footnote that there are examples to this and he brings a whole slew of sources of examples where designation does mean something. I went to check up at least one so I could share with you. And he says, let's say there's a person who's wearing their tefillin and there's a question. Of course, your arm tefillin could be covered by a jacket or whatever, right? But the head tefillin is exposed. Now, a person needs to use the washroom. So, are you allowed to go to a washroom that was never used as the washroom, but it's designated as a fur washroom? So, you're in this, like, you know, early stage in your house of construction or in a synagogue building, whatever. They're building this way. You're you're somehow walking around. And this room is designated. It's going to be a bathroom. Is it already a bathroom? In other words, does it already have what a bathroom has that you can't say a prayer in there. So there's an issue that if you're only going in for a fast washroom stop, there could be the first time it's not really a designated place. Well, more than once, it's already ah, this is already a designated spot for this, you know. So the point is that even according to Rava, that says that designation is not really any real substance. In certain cases, it is some, some some kind of substance. Says the Rebbe that you could actually adopt this subject of halacha to our subject here with this Rashi. It seemed just like this Rashi, yeah, it's the sake of conversation, of some Torah and, and analysis. But he says it actually makes a difference. According to the first interpretation, that when it says, Rashi says, that when I, I'm taking you to the place that I prepared for you, and Rashi said it means the simple meaning that I prepared this place, that means that's what it means, that I prepare, that means yet yeah, you would also have to designate 
with speech, that would be called designation, because you have to really do something to designate. However, according to the Medrash, that Achinesi is connected, preparing means, that it has to be a noticeable even, it has to be noticeable, not just designating it in theory, you have to actually noticeable, like Hashem says, I, you notice that I built this temple up there. So that, according to that, designating by speech also means nothing. You actually have to do a real designation. You have to do something for it. Like Hashem says, I actually built this temple above. So you could see that these two interpretations actually also deduces what the laws are. That sometimes you actually have to designate something in speech as one level. Sometimes you actually have to use that room for whatever you're going to use it for, right? And that makes it a formal designation. So this is basically the, the conclusion of this sicha of explaining this Rashi. So 